for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Elizabeth Bennett does not want to marry Mr. Collins. In Jane Austen's novel, Pride and Prejudice, the heroine Elizabeth is given the opportunity to marry a smarmy minister. While it might seem an obvious no, in her setting, Elizabeth has the chance to protect her entire family from financial insecurity. She rejects his offer, and this upsets her mother greatly. What are they to do? if she will not accept. Her mother and father summon her to the study. Her father inquires, this offer of marriage, you have refused? I have, sir. Your mother insists upon you accepting it. Is it not so, Mrs. Bennett? Yes, or I will never see her again. An unhappy alternative is before you, Elizabeth. From this day, you must be a stranger to one of your parents. Your mother will never see you again if you do not marry Mr. Collins, and I will never see you again if you do. <laughs> in truth, this makes Elizabeth very happy because she respects and admires her father in high contrast to her mother. But the question before her was whose blessing does she really want? Who ultimately did she feel had her best interest at heart? Who did she want to live in alignment with? Who would she disappoint? Our gospel passage provokes the same question as Jesus gives a portrait of those who are called blessed by God. Whose blessing do we want? Jesus had been at work teaching and healing, calling people to follow him, and then many more came to seek him out. A crowd of these people, those who heard, those who felt, those who saw or wanted to see the inbreaking of God's kingdom, they had gathered. And Jesus began. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I love that Jesus' introduction for his sermon goes something like this. As you draw near to me, as you participate in this kingdom, you are on your way to becoming someone who is poor in spirit, who mourns, who is meek, who is persecuted. Sign up now. 
if, if these qualities were on a buffet, like, let's be honest, we might put a little bit of pure in heart on our plate, not too much, but a little bit of pure in heart on our plate, and we'd pass up a lot of this. It's a bad sell by modern standards. This is not the portrait of someone who has received the world's blessing. It is not the portrait of someone who is supremely well-liked, too many Debbie Downer vibes. It's not the portrait of someone who is admired or in control. Rather, they are insulted, persecuted. It's not the portrait of someone who is clearly getting ahead in the world or someone who has a level of emotional invulnerability. That is what the world calls blessed. They are some of the very notions the devil tried to tempt Jesus with in the preceding chapter. But they are not the qualities Jesus holds out for the crowd gathered. So why do people throughout the ages, since the day it was first spoken, find it compelling? Why would we want God's blessing? Dr. Carrie Lattimore came to my alma mater when I was in my second year of college, and he quickly became a mentor to many. A beloved history professor at Trinity and a minister at Mount Zion Baptist Church, he wove those passions together in his book, Unshakable Faith, which profiles several Black American believers in different eras, one of which was Cyrus Bustle. Mr. Bustle was born in 1732 into enslavement, the son of an enslaver and an enslaved mother. He was promised freedom at various points, only to be sold. He was granted legal freedom eventually, his last enslaver being a devout Quaker, and he began working with Quakers to form the Free African Society, which ministered to enslaved and free alike, providing mutual aid and places of worship. It was the foundation of what we know as the African Methodist Episcopal denomination today. Dr. Lattimore writes, during his almost 40 years of enslavement, Bustle had relied on his faith to get him through the most difficult times. As he stood before his enslaved brothers and sisters, he had to find the strength to encourage them to first seek to be free in Christ and to ask God for the power to survive enslavement. Even though Bustle understood that some of the slaves he was speaking to might never become free, he wanted to encourage them to prepare for freedom. In these blessings, in these beatitudes, Jesus paints the portrait of someone who is preparing for freedom, who partakes of it even in the present circumstances of the world. Dr. Lattimore passed unexpectedly this last summer at the age of 46. He was a peacemaker and known for his keen mind and gentleness. His was and is the kingdom of God. The Beatitudes portray someone living in step with the reign of God in the midst of the world as it is right now. In the world of untimely deaths, of the ever-present traumas of violence and injustice, in the world of demoralizing false starts and setbacks. The emphasis here is not ultimately on the particular qualities of the blessed people. The emphasis is on the certainty 
of that which is considered already theirs. Belonging to God's good, just, enduring kingdom, a child of God. Comfort, inheritance, freedom is coming, mercy filled with righteousness, seeing God. Because here's the thing. There is a day when mourning will cease, but comfort will not. There is a day when the meek, when the humble, will no longer be trampled on or passed over, but will be given the earth at its best. There is a day when insult and persecution because of Jesus will end, but the kingdom of God will go on. There is a day, and that's what makes this portrait one of blessing. Fortunate are those who participate in such a kingdom. In moments like these, particularly if things are going our way as the world sees it, we will quickly want to protect the good. Our brains, our hearts get defensive quickly when we see that the kingdom may be a threat. Um, it's not a sin to be successful at work. It's no crime to want to be favored by my children. Of course not. But having the blessing of the world the honor, the status, the goods, having that as your orientation as a defining pursuit will not lead you to life. In Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Indiana is holding on to a woman as she dangles on the precipice of a chasm. He's holding onto her hand and she reaches out in the opposite direction. She's trying to get a powerful artifact, the Holy Grail. Indy yells to tell her she's slipping out of his grasp, but she doesn't stop reaching for the Grail, and she plummets to her fictitious death. <laughs> Indiana then himself falls, goes over the edge, and his hand is caught by his dad. The siren song of the grail is powerful, though, and Indy begins to reach for it. As his father strains to hold him, he begins to speak in a calm, firm, and kind voice. Indy, son, let it go. The Beatitudes are not a to-do list, but an orientation, and you cannot be oriented toward this vision of the kingdom, toward Jesus, and at the same time, be oriented toward getting the blessing of the world. From this day forth, one of their blessings must be a stranger to you. In Jesus' Beatitudes, we hear an invitation from our Heavenly Father saying, Son, daughter, let the blessing of this world go. Or in other words of Jesus, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Whose blessing do you want? Whose blessing are we as a community seeking? Let us not miss the character of God in this and in the arc of Scripture. God desires blessing for you, for your neighbor, 
for this world. Our Bible begins with God calling creation good, pronouncing a blessing upon it. Abraham and the nation of Israel were blessed to be a blessing. The Psalms begin with a beatitude, blessed is the one. And Jesus, before he begins his paradigm-altering teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, does not give bullet points, but begins with blessing. God's intentions toward you are good. God's good intentions are the foundation, the basis of why we have time set apart in healing prayer this morning. And if time in healing prayer is new to you, and maybe this is your first or second time visiting and you're thinking, what's about to happen? I'm going to help you out. <laughs> I want to tell you a bit about what it looks like, give some ways to participate. This time is set apart to ask for God's healing in your life, in the life of those you care about, and in the world. As the worship team leads us, you'll see teams or pairs of people set up around the room ready to pray with you. We'll also be praying and worshiping from our seats, standing, sitting, kneeling, feel comfortable to engage however you feel led. There is freedom in how you pray, and here are a few things to consider, especially if you might need a little direction this morning. I want to offer three things. If you're wanting to see God's healing, if maybe you come in knowing that there is this place where you're longing for God to intervene, for God to make new, make right, I invite you to ask to pray with someone. It could be physical, emotional, or relational healing, or something about your allegiance of whose blessing you desire. Maybe you note in yourself, I don't know that I desire God's blessing, but I, I want to desire God's blessing. Will the Lord heal me in that? Seek out a prayer minister. Seek out a friend. Invite them to contend alongside you. Second, there is a lot to mourn, both in our lives and in our relationships and in the world at large. The terrible death of Tyree Nichols and the shootings in California undo us and make us afraid and angry and tired. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities, and we feel, we lament, we mourn their grip. This might be a space you choose to mourn before the Lord, either privately or with others, inviting them to mourn with you. We get to mourn with a certain freedom, right? Blessed are those who mourn because we trust in the certainty that we will be comforted in that by God. And finally, this is all uh, a little outside your comfort zone. That is okay. I invite you to worship. Pray for those around you. Pray in silence. Pray Psalm 37 in your bulletin, keeping an ear out for how the Spirit might be speaking to you. God's intentions toward you are good. Let us together seek the blessed way of the crucified Christ, who is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Let us pray. God, we ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit 
on the men and women gathered here today. God, would you speak a healing word to us? Would you speak a fresh word? God, for those who mourn, would you bring comfort? Even if in part now, we ask that you would give courage to mourn, that you would make provision for that, um, and that you would bring comfort and healing. Would you heal our world? God, we ask that you would bring to mind by the power of your Holy Spirit that which we might bring before you in this time. Healing of our bodies, our allegiances, our hearts, our relationships. God, would you give us the courage to be a people preparing for freedom? Holy Spirit, would you lead us by your goodness, your gentleness, and your power? Make yourself known among us this day. We ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.